Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, I'm just going to ask you, just for one second, close your eyes. I want you to imagine, picture in your mind the perfect church. Okay, you can open your eyes. What image came to your mind? Was it a beautiful building? Or was it an inspiring worship service experience that you may have had? Was it a bunch of faces? Friendly? Happy faces? None of those ideas would be necessarily wrong, right? Because the word church can refer to a building or to a group or also to what we're doing right now. We're at church. But what if you saw nothing in your head while your eyes were closed? That wouldn't be wrong either, would it? Because there is no perfect church, at least on earth, right? You follow me? Church is made up of people. People are sinners. And so there really is no perfect church or perfect congregation or perfect synod on earth. But the church of Jesus, what we call, what we confess in the Apostles' Creed, right? The Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. Sometimes we refer to it as the invisible church. That church is perfect, right? Because of Jesus. Because of what he has done for us. Because of the faith. Because of the word that we have received and that lives in our hearts. Because of the gospel of Jesus. And so... Instead of disbanding or shutting down or giving up, this imperfect church, which is called Christ Lutheran Church, I'm not trying to be insulting, but just, but this imperfect church, in the name of God and with God's blessing and through His Word and in His name, we strive to make this imperfect congregation look each day a little bit more and more like what we are in the invisible church, in the holy Christian church, okay? And today, I thought maybe it would help to bring along some blueprints. These actually are some of the blueprints from Grace Lutheran Church, where I'm serving up in Falls Church. I'm sure, does anybody know, are there some of these Plans are on here in one of the rooms or something. You guys probably have the blueprints of this congregation too. Um, but I don't think they're that important, right? The, the blueprints, the buildings. Maybe the blueprints that God gives us in his word, right? Not specific details, like, you know, every little detail is somewhere here, but... That's not what we're looking for, but as we go and look at our first lesson again from the book of Acts, we can see a picture maybe, right? A snapshot, like I said, of people, of ministry, of a mission, okay? And taking our lead from Jesus and getting direction from his word here this morning, that first lesson that we already heard points us 
to that Antiochian church, the church up in Antioch, okay? A truly Christian church that was all embracing and all encouraging, okay? So again, we're in the book of Acts just like we were last Sunday. We're in, uh, last Sunday we were in chapter 8. Most, some of you, a lot of you, I saw you here and we were looking at that story of Philip and that Ethiopian eunuch, that foreigner that God brought into his family through saving faith, right? Now today we're in chapter 11. In between chapter 8 and chapter 11, there was Saul or the apostle Paul, his conversion and calling to be an apostle to the Gentiles. In chapter 10, there was that vision of Peter, one of the leaders of the disciples, where he got that vision from God of all these different foods that were ceremonially unclean for the Jews, but that God said, go ahead and eat. And Peter's conclusion at the end was, now I realize that God shows no favoritism to people. And so little by little, this truth was coming out that God's message, the gospel, was for all people. Okay? The death of Stephen, Stephen was that first martyr that was stoned to death by enemies. That, that seemed to embolden like the enemies of Jesus and the enemies of the church. And this great persecution broke out in, throughout the Middle East where Christianity was, the church was born. Okay. And the believers had to scatter and flee to save their own lives. Only the disciples stayed back in Jerusalem, which was kind of like the mother church. But instead of that persecution doing damage to the Christian church, it had the opposite effect, didn't it? Because as those believers were scattered around, they didn't stop being believers and they didn't stop being witnesses and they continued to share the word as they went. Okay, They told, as we heard in our lesson, many of them spread in places like Cyprus, um, Phoenicia, and Antioch. Okay, And they started by speaking the word, as we heard, to Jews only. People like themselves. That Naturally, they would do that. Even the Apostle Paul, when he went from town to town, to city to city, he seemed to always start at the synagogue, people with a Jewish background that would be, would be, would understand the message of Jesus. I'd say that was probably the smart thing, the natural thing, the easy thing to do. But we noticed in Antioch, okay, and just real quick, Antioch was up in Syria, still the country of Syria today. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire at that time. So just like every big city, it had all kinds of vices, all kinds of uh, religions, different cultures, a lot of evils, but also a lot of people. Some of them with a Jewish background, but most of them with other backgrounds. And we hear, well, people that needed the good news, right, of Jesus. And we hear that as some of those believers came to Antioch, they kind of might say they crossed over. They started speaking the good news with people that weren't necessarily from their same background who weren't Jews. It wasn't a mandate from Jerusalem that they said, you know, you got to do this. They just shared, started sharing the word 
with all people. They, they understood what Jesus had taught his disciples and what Jesus had demonstrated himself and which he kind of wrapped it up in that great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, right? And what happened then in Antioch? You heard about it, right? The, the hand of the Lord was with them. And those people that were maybe of a Jewish background, they heard the good news that you know, God had finally kept the promise that he had gave to Abraham, their forefather, this promise of that Savior. He had finally sent him, and Jesus had come and done, fulfilled the mission of his father. And then also those people that weren't of a Jewish background, they heard the good news of how God inter- came into history, interrupted history, interrupted lives to bring salvation and a purpose to life that probably they didn't even know. And not just for this life, but for all eternity. And three times we can hear in this, what, eight verses? Kind of this statistical report. The Lord was blessing them. The hand of the Lord was upon them. People were turning to the Lord and believing in the Lord believing the good news for their their salvation. So this Christian church in Antioch was this all-embracing church that understood that the good news of Jesus was meant for all people. And the fact that God puts that here and the way he puts it in this text reminds us of the very same thing, that the Christian church is an all-embracing church. The good news is meant for all people. The fact, that fact is part of the blueprints that God gives all of us in His Word for our life as a congregation. Now let's recognize for a second, none of us carry those blueprints out perfectly, as I mentioned, okay? Either personally or as a group, as a congregation, or as a synod, okay? And we confess that. And we believe that we are forgiven for those, even those shortcomings and all of our sins. And we ask God for the strength to continue. And then we propose and we plan to embrace all people with the good news of the gospel. And we do that with people that maybe are like us, with a similar background to us. And we do that also with people that might be of a different background from us. And as we do that, the Lord's hand will be with us. And as we do that, the Lord will give the results that He wants to give. And as we do that, may we be encouraged. Some words that I want to read to you. They come from the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible. Words of a vision from heaven that God gave to John. The result, the final, the visible results of the gospel work of the church. There, John says, I saw a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing in front of the throne and of the Lamb, clothed with white robes and with palm branches in their hands, they called out with a loud voice and said, Salvation comes from our God 
who sits on the throne in front of the Lamb. Wow. That's the goal. <laughs> that's the final goal and that's the promise that God gives us here as we embrace all people and share the gospel. And speaking of encouragement as this uh, serves for us, that all-embracing church in Antioch is also no, could also be known as an all-encouraging church. Okay, As the gospel was blessed, as the Lord's hand was blessing the gospel there in Antioch, word of those results got back to the church in Jerusalem, right? We heard that? And so they sent someone, one of their leaders, from Jerusalem to go up to Antioch and to share in the work there. And his name was Barnabas. We notice, first of all, Barnabas was glad at what was happening. And the church in Jerusalem was also glad with all the work that was being done and the way the gospel was reaching people. It wasn't, there wasn't any rivalry. There wasn't any competition. There wasn't anything. Uh, there was just one team, one Lord, one mission, right? They were all together. And then we hear kind of in, in the words we heard a little personal description about Barnabas, right? A couple things. He was full of the Holy Spirit, right? Through the word. He was full of faith, therefore. But also it just says kind of simply he was a good man. And please understand in the, in the original language, it's not just kind of a little thing that like, hey, he was a good guy. The word good that describes Barnabas in the original language carries the idea of useful. Barnabas was a good man in the sense that he was useful as a believer to others. Okay, And even his name kind of gives us a hint at how he did that. Barnabas means the son of encouragement or the encourager. Barnabas was the encourager. That's exactly what he did. And we heard it, right? When he arrived there and he was glad, he encouraged those believers to remain in the faith and continue in the Word and to share that Word with others. But really, it seems like um, Barnabas, the encourager, it was more than just a name. It was really his whole person. Actually, if you go back uh, into, into the Scriptures, it was Barnabas. When, when Saul was converted and became the name changed, the Apostle Paul, understandably, many believers were hesitant to receive him. This former persecutor, is he trying to fool us and infiltrate our ranks so he can you know, round up more of us and kill us? It was Barnabas who went and spent time with Paul and then brought Paul to the church and vouched for him. He was really encouraging Paul and really was the one that got Paul started in his career as the great missionary to the Gentiles. And so after coming to Antioch, Barnabas did just that. He went and found Saul and he brought him back. And together they tag team taught there in Antioch in the church for over a year. And he urged kindly. And once again, we hear how the Lord's hand blessed the work. Antioch was this all-encouraging church. And I think it's good to notice 
Just as it wasn't orders from the mother church that told them to reach out to all people. Also, who was responsible for this encouragement? Barnabas wasn't one of the twelve disciples. Barnabas wasn't an apostle like Paul. Barnabas wasn't even one of the seven deacons from Acts chapter 6. Barnabas was just a believer like you who recognized that he had a role as an encourager. Okay, To encourage is really part of our Christian life. It's a Christian responsibility to encourage one another and to be encouraged. It's actually also in Romans chapter 12, one of the gifts that God speaks about. He said, we have different gifts in Romans chapter 12, according to the grace God has given us. If that gift is serving, let him serve. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. And what does that mean to encourage? Does that mean just simply, uh, you know, kind of stand next to someone saying, come on, you can do it. You know, we, we got this. You got this. Or as Christians, no, we don't point people to themselves. We can come and say, not, you can do it, but you're not alone, okay? And you have a God who works wonders, and you have a friend in Jesus who is with you. God can do great things. And you point people in this way to the Word and to being involved in the ministry of the Word, and that's the encouragement that they need, and that's the encouragement we all need. We all need encouragers, and God gives us encouragers each other. So be an encourager. Be a congregation that's full of encouragers. Everyone on the giving end of encouragement and everyone on the receiving end of encouragement. Because a truly Christian church is an all-encouraging church. Um, there's a quote that I want to share with you. Uh, it was originated from a, a pastor or I think a theologian many years ago. Um, several U.S. presidents have had this quote on their desk or on the wall behind their desk. It's this quote. There's no limit to what you can do as long as you don't care who gets the credit. There's no limit to what you can do as long as you don't get the credit. What a great reminder for a president, right? But what a great reminder for all of us as Christians. Together, as we encourage one another, it's not about getting the credit. It's about encouraging others. And there's no limit then to what we can do. We're part of a team. And as part of this team, we're all encouragers one to another. Um, I'm going to mention a couple names just to illustrate this point again. I'm guessing you've probably heard, or a lot of you have heard these names. I'm just going to use their first name, okay? Let's see how, how good. Kareem, LeBron, Michael, MJ, Kobe. You all recognize that? Most of you recognize it? From the NBA? Yeah? Shake your hands if you've heard these names. Yeah. Okay. How about these names? 
John. John Stockton. Steve. Steve Nash. Mark. Mark Jackson. You recognize those names? If you're a big NBA fan, you probably do. But if not, you probably don't. So who are those first guys? The leading scorers in NBA history, some of them. LeBron would be included, right? Who are those second set of guys? The leading assisters. Assist, the guy who passes the ball to Michael Jordan or to LeBron so that he makes the basket. You know, they created that statistic of assists to recognize that role of assisting. A role that we all have as Christians to encourage one another. That's what it means to be Christians. To encourage one another, to assist one another, to build up one another. And those believers in Antioch, it's got to mention this, they were the first believers, remember, that were known as Christians. I don't know if somebody came up with that kind of in a mocking way, which could very well be, or as an honor, but what an honor it was for them and what an honor it is for us to carry the name of, of Christ, to be known as Christians. It's a name that unites us, that gives us purpose, that gives us identity. As I said, now and for all eternity. So I'm going to take these plans back to Grace and Falls Church. You guys don't need them. They're not needed here. It wouldn't even work, and you've got your own plans here, uh, blueprints. But I will, I do leave with you these words today from Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 26. With this reminder, Christ Lutheran Church is and every day can be a truly Antiochian church, a truly Christian church, an all-embracing church, and an all-encouraging church, where all are doing the embracing, and we are embracing all, where all are doing the encouraging, and all are being encouraged. And as we do, as we embrace, and as we encourage, One more time, there's no limit to what God can do. To Him be the credit. To God be the glory. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, may keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.